Remember my first ever solo. Jesus Folk, Old Lodge Lane Baptist Church, 1937. Might have been a bit after that. <laughs> we practiced away, practiced away, and then we found ourselves in the big church, and I got to my moment. I was the man with the paralyzed hand. Back in my box. And I got up to sing, and I just got blinded by the lights, and that was the end of that. <laughs> Anyway, I've been meaning to say, guys, happy birthday. Did you know that it's the church's birthday today? 17 today. Which means that, yes, absolutely. We survived 17 years. And I reckon, as I was thinking about it, that means we're nearly out of those pesky teenage years. <laughs> nearly. And at times, they have been pesky. Um, I have a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old. So I'm feeling it, bro, feeling it. Anyway, on that trivial note. So I have a message for you today entitled, start my stopwatch. No, it's not titled that. It's not, it's not. Well, that would be a good message, I'm sure. There's a challenge. Next week, I'll preach a message called, start my stopwatch. Um, it's called The Power of Worship. I was, thank you, I was expecting deep inhalation of shock when I said that. Um, I think it'd be fair to say, here at the barn, we love to worship. And we recognize that it is our primary calling. But you know what? We are hungry for the presence of God. I can tell just by you lot. You know, we understand that, that worship is a gateway to a heavenly treasure trove, as yet largely untapped, I think. So the message title is The Power of Worship. The subtitle is Gateway to Intimacy, Revelation, and Breakthrough. I could just stop there. That's great, isn't it? Do you know, you can have those things. You certainly need those things. But they needn't be elusive. But worship is the key. Not a greatly revelatory statement, but we need God. We need more of who he is. We need more of what he has. We need more of what he might do. And you know what? If, if we want to live the life that Jesus died and rose to liberate us into, if we want to fulfill the purposes that the Lord has given us as his children. If we want to experience the power and presence of God in our generation, then we need to become a worshipping people. Three places, there are others, of course. Three places that worship takes us are intimacy and revelation and breakthrough. Just quickly, intimacy it is pressing into a deeper relationship with the Lord. James 4 verse 8, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Pressing into a deeper relationship with the Lord to experience his presence, to catch his heart, to, to sense his, his prompting and his leading. In essence, simply to grow closer. 
Holy Spirit, after all, is the paraclete, the one called alongside to help. With all that brings comfort and counsel and wisdom and strengthening. Without a shadow of a doubt, worship is the gateway to new depths of walk with the Holy Spirit. Number one, intimacy. Number two is revelation. Revelation is insight into the Father's heart and mind. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Revelation, insight into the Father's heart and mind. The wisdom that we lack, leadership we need, the guidance we seek, to see what he sees, to understand what he knows, to discern what he is doing. Revelation is that mystery unveiled as the Holy Spirit shines his light upon God's word as we worship, as we sing, and as we pray, and as we seek. Thirdly, breakthrough. Breakthrough is the breakthrough is the power of God transforming hearts and resolving situations and moving mountains. You know, when God comes, everything changes. His glory and his holiness demand change. We need to stir the heart of God. We need to move the hand of God. We need to unleash the power of God. We need to experience the glory of God. All that happens in his presence as we worship. And the big idea here, I think, is this, as you yield to him, heaven's door swings wide open. I'll say it again. As you yield to him in worship, the door of heaven swings wide open to us. As we submit where we had once resisted, as we soften what we have in the past allowed to harden, as we open what we had unwittingly closed, the Lord is able to do in and through and around us. He's able to do what only he can do. Which is what? Which is to facilitate intimacy. The depth and confidence of relationship. To facilitate revelation, that that illumination, that, that insight and to facilitate breakthrough, which is transformation and victory. So for the message today, as I was was pondering the power of worship, I think I asked myself this question, what can we do to facilitate powerful worship around here? If I think of anything over the I haven't been here 17 years, I've been here 12 and a half. I know it feels like 112 and a half to you. Only feels like about three to me. But, you know, all that time, it's been about cultivating and, t- cultivating and tilling that soil. It's about preparing the way for the entry of the king. It's about cultivating that spirit of the fear of the Lord and of worship and of openness. That's what it's all been about, really. What can we do, therefore, to facilitate powerful worship 
around here. What do we, as, as individuals, what do we need to do to become worshippers? What, what changes do we need to make if we really do want to press in? How, if you like, do we get heaven's door swinging wide open? So pondered that, uh, pondered that this week. Four, four words came to mind, two A's and two I's. It started as four A's, but it didn't quite work. Shame. So four A's, two I's, three actions, three verbs, and then one outcome. And the four words, a bit of a rhyme, quite pleased with it, is align, incline, that's good, so invite, and then atmosphere. You know, if we want to, if we want to unleash the power of worship, if you want to experience intimacy and revelation and breakthrough, if you want to swing that door wide open, then we need those two A's and those two I's. And so the plan uh, this evening is to spend just a few minutes on each, and then we'll get the opportunity to put it into practice immediately after that. So word number one is, is the word align. This one is about order. It's who or what has control. To whom do we defer? To whom do we assign authority? Who gets to lead? Who gets to speak? Who gets to set the agenda? And of course, that requires our willingness to submit and to surrender. In essence, worship is the way you make sure the right person is seated upon the throne. Psalm 22, verse 3. Yet you are holy, talking to God, you are holy, enthroned on, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And if you want to experience intimacy and revelation, and breakthrough. If you want to experience those things, God must be enthroned. And it gets worse. Self must be dethroned. And praise and worship is how we do it. You know, you may not feel like it. Your flesh may be groaning and complaining, creaking. Everything changes when we sidle off that throne and let God Almighty take his rightful place. And in our services, you know the way I picture, as we, as we praise, we offer him a throne. He comes and sits on it and blesses us with his presence. To be honest, we are, we are deluding ourselves if we think that we are going to get where we want and need to get with any of that upside down. Trust me, if I am in control, you'll receive the full benefits of my power, which suffice it to say, will be singularly unimpressive. You know, the tighter we cling on, the less the Lord can do among us. But there's a divine order that you simply cannot defeat or counteract 
more we submit and surrender, the wider the door gets to the move of the Holy Spirit. Just dig this just a little bit more deeper and more practical as I was driving over this evening. I thought about, about lordship in two contexts, individual and corporate. And I thought, you know, the danger is, as individuals, the danger is that we pay lip service to declaring him as Lord in our lives and then proceed to live, frankly, as though he was merely a spectator. And then, then corporately, you know, we sing he is Lord, but in reality, there's a danger that we're just slaves to the program or to the process or to the routine, or to the usual order of service. Which leads to the question, what would change if he really was allowed to be Lord? So action verb number one is align. The second one is incline. Joshua 4, verse 23. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Now, if you look up that passage in Joshua 24, as I did, you will discover that these were essentially Joshua's final words to the Israelites before he died. What did he say? He said, put away foreign gods. He said, rid yourself of anything that seduces you away from the Lord. And instead, incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Now this, this word incline is, it is about the deliberate turning of our hearts towards the Lord. The modern idea is, is, is of being present. Does God really have our full attention? Are we engaged and connected and immersed? as we worship. The point is we, we can be physically there without really being there. We can sing the song without engaging the heart. We can, we can go through the motions. We can press in. And if we want to experience intimacy, if we want to experience revelation, if we need breakthrough, then we need to press in. We need to, to be present. We need to incline our hearts. A little kind of slight rabbit trail here. I'm reading an interesting book. I've been reading an interesting book over the summer called If Jesus Gave a TED Talk. Sounds fascinating. I recommend it. And I picked up a real gem, and it really got me thinking here. And he said essentially this, and it's all about neuroscience and communicating and, oh, anyway. And he said this, nowadays, he said, people have such a low boredom threshold because of their addiction to technology. You know, you know, we're so used to the surge of dopamine that is fed by our interaction with our phones. We just can't sit still. Can we get all fidgety? You know, it's calling to you from your pocket. You need another fix. Dopamine, 
e even though you don't know that's what's actually going on. You know, the apps that they write are intentionally designed to hook you in. Like a drug, we've been trained to need that stimulation. I wonder, you guys have been very good. How long can you go without reaching for your phone? You know, do a quick internet search when you get home about the dangers or the realities of mobile phone addiction. But here's the point. Your phone is crying out for your attention. I amaze myself how often I find myself watching the television and also on my phone. And the point is, is in reality, you cannot give, here's the point, you cannot give your full attention to both. One Sunday in August, when I was leading worship but not preaching, I left my music, my phone on my music stand, and I went to my seat with a bit of a quiver. Do you know what? That was really liberating. I'm going to do that more often. Now, what, what that does is that starves that temptation. And it actually facilitates uninterrupted, uncluttered, fully engaged attention, which I reckon has become so much harder for us all with the advent of mobile phone technology and the subliminal training that we have unwittingly received. Here's the reality. God deserves our full attention. I'll tell you a little quick, quick little humorous story. Um, back in Peterborough, Ontario, we had a new musician on the stage. He was a very experienced praise and worship. His name was Tim. And it was his first Sunday. And he was quite nervous. He was a keyboard player. He was playing second keys. I think he was quite nervous. And um, it was an evening service. did the whole practice. And then at the end, when we did the, we did the praise set, and the pastor, oh, the pastor was, about, was about to get up to preach. We, we went and we sat down. And Tim came up to me and he whispered and said, Jamie, I left my mobile phone on the stage and it's on. And I'm terrified that it is going to ring on my first day and blow the whole thing. Fortunately, it didn't. Anyway, that's a quick aside. So we've had, what have we had? We've had a line. We've had incline, and now we have the word invite, our third action. You know, if God, has, if God has our submission as we align, and if he has our attention as we incline, the next thing we need to give him is our invitation. Famous passage, Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock, and the door will be opened to you. And we've got to do the asking. We've got to do the seeking. We've got to do the knocking, because that is our invitation. But the good news is it says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Not I. So it would be mildly entertaining. Verse 12, where if you ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. That's a step too far even for me. Serious. This is a serious verse, folks. Stop putting me off. 
Verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And a huge part of worship is God's people reaching out and crying out, if you like, asking and seeking and knocking. And the Lord is looking for a people who are willing and available, who are open and expectant. He's waiting for our invitation. Again, the little verse, John 4, verse 23, Jesus said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I love that. The last little phrase says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is on the lookout for worshipers. He's on the lookout for a, for a group of people, a body of believers, a house of God that will create a, an environment, a culture, an atmosphere of worship. Because there he knows he has an open invitation. Worship then is, is how you open your heart to the Lord. It's how you give him that invitation. It's how you open the door to let him in. It's how you give him the access he needs to do what only he can do. And the good news is, Luke 11, verse 13, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Spoiler alert, we might do that in a few minutes. Here's a challenge associated with that. As we are worshipping, as we are worshipping, does God have your unconditional invitation? Now, it's easy just to, to stay safely seated in your row. It's easy just to try to blend in with the crowd or, or to tick along as you sing along. Now I say to go through the motions. Here's the challenge. Could you take a step of faith? Could you break out of your comfort zone? I love you teenagers bouncing. Good for you. Could you stretch your hands high and cry out? Could you come to the front and fall on your knees? I can go that far. Could you maybe pray a bold prayer under your breath? What would it, what would it mean to show God that you mean business? To open your heart wide so that he can come in without constraint, without hindrance, without resistance, because God is looking for our invitation and we will not get where we want and need to get until he has it. Okay, right, that's, that's our three verbs, align, incline, invite. And the premise is that these three actions will produce an outcome. And the outcome, my fourth one is, is atmosphere. It'll create a change in atmosphere. You know, worship quite literally changes the atmosphere. If we, if we get everything into correct alignment, if we incline our hearts to the Lord God of Israel, if we give 
if we give him an unconditional invitation. An invitation, by the way, that he will almost certainly find irresistible. If we will do that, then he will come. Then he will, he will move. Then he will fill the room with his glorious presence. Famous verse, Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If we are prepared to do what it takes to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, then we will receive the blessing and the privilege of abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Worship literally changes the atmosphere. If you remember in the, in the Old Testament, David worshipped on his harp and the evil spirit that was tormenting Saul fled. Remember the story of Paul and Silas praising God in the dungeon and the prison doors flew wide open. Think back to King Solomon and the priests and the musicians, the singers, the trumpeters singing as, as they brought the ark into that new temple. And it said that the glory cloud that descended was so thick that the priest could not even stand to minister. Then two chapters later, when they dedicated that temple, it says that fire flashed down from heaven and they fell on their faces. My sense, not out of volition. That's what we're talking about. Worship literally changes the atmosphere. I read Psalm 22, verse 3 earlier. It said, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Well, the good news is that that, that, psalm, that verse can also be translated like this, the old King James. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The Amplifier says, but you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. God, if you want encounter, my word at the moment is the word visitation. If you want a visitation, if you want to experience that, that manifest presence, that awesome, holy, tangible presence that all that brings, and be a holy place where the praises of God are offered. So that our church should be that holy place. And when people are worshipping in the house of the Lord, everyone should know it. One of our kingdom culture values up there on the wall there is, it's the fear of the Lord. I think when people walk in here, they should have a tangible sense of the fear of the Lord because he is awesome and because he is present. So our church should be that holy place, but you know what? Our heart should also be that holy place. And when people are in the same room as a worshiper, people should recognize it. You should be able to spot a true worshiper. And I'm not talking about somebody just a good actor. You know, as, as worship cultivates and deepens and fuels our relationship with the Holy Spirit, people should be able to see 
and recognize the presence of the one we are carrying. People should be able to discern and experience the influence and character of Jesus. And as such, we should be recognizable by our genuine love and our assured peace and our evident joy and our bold faith. Because worship will have changed the whole atmosphere around us. And it should show. So nearly there, the power of worship, gateway to intimacy, revelation, and breakthrough. You know, we as believers, we need the fruits of worship. This is such a crucial and rich part of our relationship with the Lord. Do you know what else? The world around us needs the benefit, needs the power, needs the fire that a worshiping people will bring to their community. You see what? Above all, the Lord desires our worship. And that in itself should be inspiration. I'm going to ask the band to, to come back forward, if they would be so kind. And uh, we'll set up the next little round here. I realize it's Sunday night. If at any stage you need to go, we're just going to worship for a while. If at any stage you need to go, please feel free. So I'm kind of hoping that it'll be so magnetic in here, no one will want to leave. Go to leave. And uh, again, driving over, I was kind of pondering this. And what we want to do over the next 20 minutes, so is just to set up an atmosphere of worship in this place. And, you know, as we've said, worship is a powerful thing, but it's also a gateway. It's a gateway to intimacy, and it's a gateway to revelation, and it's a gateway to breakthrough. I don't know about you today, which of those three words jumps up and down for you, and you say, I need that. It might be all of them. It might be all of them in that specific order. I get that. But what I really want to do is, is to encourage you over the next little while is, is, is what are you seeking? If it's intimacy that you seek, allow that to be the focus of this time of worship. You don't need to be singing. You can allow the, the team to minister over you. You can kind of drink it in. You can just spend some time soaking, if you like, in the presence of God. Just, just talk to him. Just, just cultivate that intimacy. Just draw near with that wonderful promise that he will draw near to you if you do. So it may well be that it's intimacy that you seek. It may well be that it's revelation that you seek. Right now, what you need is the inspiration, the illumination, and the wisdom of God Almighty. Again, worship is a gateway into that. As we soften and as we open our hearts and our spiritual ears, we're in a position to be able to hear what the Lord is whispering in our ears. So maybe for you in the next 20 minutes or so, maybe it's revelation that you seek. So take that into this time of worship. It may well be actually you want to open your Bible there and just spend some time, Lord, read a little bit and just say, Lord, what are you saying? I need to hear from you. And then the third thing you might need is, is breakthrough. And if you, need, if you need heart transformation, if you need circumstances resolved, if you need mountains moved, then worship is the gateway into that. 
And it may well be that you want to really engage with this worship. You want to sing these great big God songs. You want to pray some big bold prayers. It may well be that you want someone to pray with you. Well, I'll say quite simply, if you'd like someone to pray with you uh, this evening for that breakthrough, or for any of them actually, feel free to come over this area and, and one of us, someone will gladly pray for you. But we're really, you know, that, that, that's a loose plan, but really there is no agenda. We're going to worship. I'm going to pray in a second. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. My prayer is that for each of you over the next 20 minutes, that you will meet with God. And I promise you that if you do, you will know. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer tonight is very, very simple. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We love you. We want to fellowship with you. We want to draw closer to you. We need to hear from you. We need you to break in. We need to, we just need to see change. When you come, everything. Let's stand together, shall we? Just stretch your hands out for a second. Who we need? We'll just pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill this place with your presence and your power? And would you do amongst us what only you can do?